Praise God. What an awesome, awesome grandmas and grandpas, all of us just alike. Amen. Praise God. I'm really excited this morning to have the opportunity to share God's Word with you. There's been something that has been burning in my spirit for days, in fact, weeks. And I just find it amazing how God always prepares us in advance for what He's doing. Sometimes we kind of recognize that as an after, after the fact, but I'm recognizing it right midstream here. The title of my message today is A New Thing. We are in a new day of doing church. We're in a new day of the church as a whole. One might even say a new age. No, 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 no. I did not say that we're a new age church. <laughs> that is not what I said. What I'm saying is that I believe we are in a new age, a new era of what church institution or the organization of the church. Maybe that's because the institution of the church, the organization of the church has failed them. And it has, in many cases. I can't tell you the number of people that I talk with who have been hurt by the church, been hurt by pastors. What they, are, what they are interested, even though they're not, many people are not interested in the institution and organization of the church because it has failed them, but what they are interested in is, a, is an authentic, genuine, real encounter with the Lord God. They're looking for something real. People are looking for something that is true. They are looking for something that is genuine. They are looking for something that is relevant at Six months to a year ago, the devil influenced a disease called coronavirus that became a plague, a pandemic throughout the land, COVID-19. I don't really care when it started or where it started. We'll let the pundits and the talking heads and the politicians figure all that out. My point is that the enemy meant something for evil against us. Can I help you with something? God's not surprised by that. This did not catch God off guard. He didn't go one day, oh, oh, what am I going to do? What are we going to do? Coronavirus is in the land. We better get a team together. No, no, they didn't do that. Many of you may have seen this on Facebook or online. Uh, there's a prophetic word that was given in 1986 by David Wilkerson. Those of you, you know that name, David Wilkerson. This is a prophetic word from 1986. I see a plague coming on the world, and the bars, churches, and government will be shut down. The plague will hit New York City and shake it like it's never been shaken. The plague is going to force prayerless believers into radical prayer and into their Bibles, and repentance will be the cry from the man of God in the pulpit. And out of it will come a third great awakening that will sweep America and the world. Can you give the Lord a praise? Amen. I'd say that that prophetic word was pretty, on, pretty spot on. Amen. And I guess my point in bringing it to you today is I don't want you to think at all that God is somehow caught off guard, that he's surprised by this. The devil meant something for evil. <laughs> he is, he's just such a lughead sometimes. It amazes me. But God is going to use that for his good. And let me tell you something, something that I believe, what the devil intends for evil, God uses for good. 
Now, in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, it says this, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result. What? Now, this particular story <coughs> is uh, about Joseph. You know, he was now uh, over all the land of Egypt, and his brothers have come to Egypt to get, to get food. And they're, they're thinking, you know, they're apologizing, and they're trying to make things right. And he said, look, you know, you guys meant this for evil. But God already knew in advance what was coming around the corner, and he already had a plan for good so that we could have this present result. That is a powerful thing. And then in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, where it says, And we know that all things, everybody just say all things. Look at your neighbor right there in your house next to your husband, wife, kid, whatever. Just say all things. Children, look at mom and daddy and go all things. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and to those who are the called. I love that according to his purpose. It, it, you know, it, we, we leave that word the out of there many times. It didn't say uh, uh, for, to those who are called. It said for those who are the called. Woo! Glory to God. That's you and I as children of God. So the devil meant something to harm us. The devil meant something to cause evil. But God is using it for his good that he may receive the glory because he doesn't share his glory with anybody. He, don't even, he doesn't even share his glory with the institution and the organization of the church, by the way. Pastors and churches have tried to take the glory that belongs to God. God's gonna, God is intervening in that. With all of my heart, I believe it's true. I believe that the church is at a pivot point in history. And we can either pivot to the things that God is doing, or we can pivot back to what we've always done done. We can wait this season out, and I think a lot of churches and a lot of pastors, quite frankly, are doing that. They're just waiting this season out in order to get back to what was normal, or we can recognize that God is doing a new thing and start making the necessary adjustments now for that new thing. That's what we are doing. I don't believe that and I've, I've shared this with you all before, and I, and I never shared it with you like, okay, I'm, I'm making a prediction or I'm prophesying uh, that this thing's going to be over before you know it. As quickly as it came on, it's going to go away. Now, granted, things may take a couple of stages to get us there, and, and no denigration to our government in Michigan. It may take Michigan a little bit longer. <laughs> I get that. But that's all right. We're strong. Amen? And we're strong in the, in, the, in the power and the might of the Lord. Praise God. But I believe we're at a pivot point. So even Resurrection Life Church can stand on the laurels of its past successes. Or it can forget about all of those things and move forward to the things that God is calling us to do, that God is doing, and God is doing a new thing in the land, in the hearts of his people, and in the church, y'all. Amen. Isaiah chapter 43, I'm going to read three verses from Isaiah chapter 43. I'm going to read verse 9, and then verse, verses 18 and 19. This really hit me. 
Let all the nations be gathered together, and let the people be assembled. <laughs> That's coming back, y'all. It is coming back where we're going to be assembled in this room. But it's not going to be like it was the last time you were here. Because God is doing a new thing. And as a pastor, I intend to keep up with, or do my best in this human effort through the power of the Holy Spirit to keep up with my God. And you better grab a hold because you need to do everything you can to keep up with me, praise God. Because we're going to move forward to the new things that God is doing. Let all the nations, verse 9, be gathered together and let the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this and show us former things? Who can declare this and show us former things? Now, I never put those scriptures together before. We've all read verses 18 and 19 where it says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. But in the beginning of the context of that whole chapter, we get this point where he says, and, and who's going to show us former things? Who's going to take us back to former things? Who's going to say, okay, we're all assembled together now. Let's do what we've always done. But he's saying, look, I'm, I'm gathering the people together. There is going to be an assemblage of the church again, praise God. But I'm doing a new thing. And in fact, the scripture says, do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old. Now, there's a juxtaposition, a paradox, if you will, in that, because we also know that we don't do away with the landmarks of our forefathers. Those are important landmarks that we don't do away with. But God is saying, look, y'all, I'm doing a new thing. We've struggled, we've scratched, and we've clawed for years to try to grow the church. And we've had this human, this, this, this human idea that what that looks like is more rear ends in the seats. And if we just get more people in the house, so we've got to set up more chairs, and we've got to use the overflow, that somehow we've acquired success. But in that, in that setting, that's a success that's based on pride. It's a success that's based on pride. Remember that God said he'll share his glory with nothing. And as I said before, he's not going to share it with pastors either. He's not going to share it with the organization of the church. He's not going to share it with the institution of mega churches. I'm not against mega churches, y'all. I'm just saying they've taken the glory from God far too long. Am I feeling a little punchy today? No. Not really. I just sense a new move of God. And I intend to embrace the move of God. I'm inviting you and encouraging you to embrace the new move of God with me. Amen. We've been far too interested in how many people were sitting in the chairs and the pews of our church buildings than we were as to how many people were having an authentic, life-changing encounter with God. This is what has always been, for all the years that I've been in the ministry, one of the most important facets to me. And I felt like maybe there were times in my ministry life that I let the pendulum swing too far in terms of against multitudes in the house of God. I'm not, I'm not, listen, I'm not against that. But because I, I used to say, well, just give me 20 people red hot for God. 
But we are looking for an authentic, life-changing encounter with God. It's not about our church buildings being full. God is doing a new thing right now in our midst, and I wish there was a camera panning this room right now. Other than a half a dozen or so crew members, you're not here. Okay? I'm preaching, if you will, to a camera. Trying somehow to navigate the fact that I'm preaching to you right there in your home. The problem is that all too often, we camp at the foot of the holy mountain of God. We choose not to climb the mountain instead of finding a way to to ascend into the Shekinah glory of God, the powerful glory of God, the presence of God. We say, no, 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 pastor, you go for us. We don't want to go. That's what happened to the children of Israel. And yet our world is filled with people who are craving an intimate relationship with God. For once, I want to give the millennials... An applause. God bless you, millennials. So many times people from my age bracket and others have spoken negatively about the millennials, but you have been pressing, not even, maybe not even knowing what you're doing, but you have been pressing this new day all along as it relates to your devices and, and the online experience, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Most of you millennials came out of your mother's womb with a cell phone in your hand for crying out loud. Okay? You don't know what it's like not to have it. You have been established by God for such a day as this. Amen. Praise God. Any millennials in the house, go ahead and just say, yeah. All right, there they are. See, it's all millennials except for two or three really old folks. (laughs) But people and millennials especially, you're sick and tired of the facade of church. I'm, I'm a church guy, y'all. I think it's pretty crazy. Our God is crazy sometimes. Do you remember how many weeks ago he inspired this book on my heart, y'all? Quit Church. And if you've read that book, and I hope you have because it's been the book of the month for more than a month now, that you would know that doesn't mean stop going to church, but it means quit doing church like you've always done church, which on the flip side of that is get ready for a new thing because God's about to do something new. But there's a whole lot of people who aren't going to be I just think it's crazy how God establishes a path for us ahead of time. We don't even know what's coming around the corner. Quit church. Look at the empty seats. This is just, that's just crazy. We camp at the foot of the mountain. And yet people are craving an authentic, intimate experience, relationship with a God, the God, Jehovah God, our God. They're sick and tired of four songs, uh, take up an offering, a 30-minute sermon, and let's all go have chicken. Well, okay, we're not tired of the chicken part, but maybe we are the rest of it. Because people are thirsting for something new. They're looking for a new experience and encounter with God. Let me help you with something. That's going to require some sacrifice on our part. I'm a pastor who's not from the millennial age. I'm not even from the Generation X age. I'm a I'm a boom. I'm from the boomer age. And I'm also a mixed up boomer because I was raised mostly by my grandparents who were from the Depression age. (laughs) 
Okay? So I remember dial phones. Yeah. I remember party lines. Hello. I remember the black and white TV with the uh, antlers covered with tinfoil. Okay, I I remember those days. Grandpa said, go push that antenna over there like that. Now stay right there. Wait a minute. Hold your leg out. Hold your leg out now. All right, we got a sort of a channel. I remember those days. So, I'm, I mean, I have had a hard time relating to understanding what the millennials are pushing for. And maybe you millennials haven't even known exactly what it is that you're pushing for. But you are, you are setting the church up for the coming age of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm so proud of you. And I welcome you so much. People are death, depth of intimacy that many desire but few achieve. And the few that achieve it, quite frankly, are more interested in what their churches look like than what the church, the body, looks like to the Lord in heaven. What price are we willing to pay? Yeah, I'm conditioning you. I don't think we have more than two or three, maybe four weeks more of this. I, I get, I'm not prophesying. I'm, there's some, you're all going to get the online phone call. Churches this Sunday, welcome back to church. <clears throat> but we're not going back to church. We're not going back to what was. What you don't see right now there in your living room or wherever you're at is the number of cameras around here. Is it one, two, three, four? Four different cameras in the house right now. <clears throat> They're all strategically placed. In fact, I have come in and rearranged all the seating around the cameras. Because what we're going to continue to do when we come back is to continue reaching out to the online experience. Now, I'm going to say this. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. When I say stuff like that, my wife goes, oh, What's he going to say? <laughs> Listen, I have mentors in my life. I was talking to one of my mentors, one of our friends here at the church, who is going through the same thing and recognizing that if we don't learn how to move forward into a new day of doing church, then we're going to get left behind. And I shared with him, I said, you know, I've been making this statement that, uh, you know, we used to be a church that was filled up with people that happened to do an online experience. But I think we're about to become a church that does an online experience that just happens to have some people sitting in the room. And he said, he said Rick, it's amazing. You said me and, I'm not even saying, I'm not going to say names, almost said names. Me and so-and-so were just talking about that very same thing yesterday. There are some people that are getting that there's a new day coming. You're going to come back to church, and although I'm going to look at you, I'm going to be addressing all those people that are out there online watching the church service. Do you know that our church has, if you're interested in size, has doubled in size since you quit church? Huh? Is that crazy? Our church has doubled in size since you quit church? Oh, that, that's just a paradox that just, you know, Jake, it just don't make sense, does it? That's because that's our God. So I'll be, oh, no, 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 we can, let's, just get, let's just get 150 people in the house and go back to what was comfortable. Uh, let me help you with something. There's a crew of people here that are just now really kind of catching their stride in doing this new way of doing things. I'm, I'm even just now catching my stride. 
I, I don't intend to go back. So what price are we willing to pay? What are we willing to sacrifice? Our hunger for God must override every other desire in life. Our hunger for the new things of God must override all of our past experiences and all of our past successes. Material things have to come to a place where they no longer matter. Prestige has got to take a hike. Ego has got to be squashed, and pride has to be broken. Amen. For all churches, pride has to be broken. Look how big we are. Look how many people we got. Do you know that there are some churches out there right now that are running in pride based on the fact that they're reaching so many people online instead of recognizing that God is doing a new thing? This is God's working. Praise God. The Israelites, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because they didn't want to get into the presence of God. They saw the lightning, they heard the thundering, they heard all the things that was going on in with God, and they freaked out about it. They ran from the presence of God. <clears throat> they didn't want to get there. And unfortunately, that same strain of cancer runs through the church today where people are living vicariously on the pastor's relationship with God and claiming it their own. It's not the case, y'all. Each one of us have to have an intimate experience with God. To try to have your experience with God be based on your church experience or your relationship with your pastor is an insipid lie from hell. That is not the truth at all. The fellowship between God and man was broken by Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. But praise God Almighty, some 2,000 years ago, God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to restore relationship with a living Christ. You know what? Things were going pretty well for the church for quite some time. We can read about it in the book of Acts and the letters that Paul wrote. And then along came the dark ages, and the church once again chose not to experience God from close range. We'll only experience God through those priests and those other folks. And that, was, that changed. But I thank God that once again, God is moving in the earth, and he's seeking those who will seek him with all of their heart. He's looking for people who are willing to say, away with the old things, let's move into the new things. What did the scripture have to say? Uh, 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 Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Huh? Say what? Yeah, he says, because guess what? I'm going to do a new thing. And go back to verse 9, he's like, this question, why would anybody want to talk about the old things? I get it, there's nostalgia. I'm a nostalgic person, man. I love the nostalgia of church. This hasn't been easy for me. This has created a tension in me. But I tell you what, I have never been, I've said this to many people, some of you sitting right here have heard me say this, I have never been more excited about the future of ministry, the future of the church, and the future of being a pastor than I, right now than I ever have in my life. Praise God. God is calling people out of darkness into his marvelous light. Failed marriages, I believe, are going to be delivered. Alcoholics and drug addicts are going to be delivered like never before. Depression is going to replace, be replaced with joy and gladness. I believe it with all of my heart. But yet, what, no matter how you look at this, when it's all said and done, we still find ourselves at the same place, standing at the foot of God's holy mountain, with an unending invitation to climb on up. Come on up, y'all. 
It's time to get ready for something new. I'm preparing you. Because when you get back to church, it's not going to be the it's not going to be the same as you remember. And some of you are out there right now, well, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. You're probably one of those folks that have your special seat, and you sit there in that special seat. I just want you to know, I've already rearranged the seat, so you won't even be able to find your special seat. <laughs> I believe this with my heart, that God is stripping away everything that we've grown accustomed to. That's not easy. I, I, I understand that it's not easy. And he's getting ready to put to rest all the things that have caused us to grow complacent and has caused us to grow sleepy in church and to prepare. <clears throat> he's bringing about a new age of his church, an age where the church is going to be required to strip off the garments of personality-driven success. Uh-oh, I just tapped into somebody's holy zone where the church will need to rid itself of old, worn-out, empty man-made traditions. we got to get ready to move on. Thank you, millennials, for pushing us to this. Not even, maybe, maybe not even knowing that you were an instrument of God to prepare us for a new age. <laughs> you millennials are an instrument of God preparing us for a new age of the church. That new age of the church that will... Usher in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And I, for one, determined that we're going to be a church that will embrace the move of God. Amen. Whether it's comfortable or not. And let me just help you with something. The presence of God is never comfortable. It always requires something of us. We're afraid of a deeper intimacy with the Lord. Maybe we know We'll have to strip something away. Maybe we know there'll be some polishing, maybe some chiseling. Maybe something will have to die. Mm. There's more, so much more for us in the presence of God, more than we've ever even imagined to this point. And the Bible even tells us that the half has not yet even been told. God says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. He desires intimacy with you. He desires a meaningful relationship that is not a part-time feel-good. Mm. We should desire the same. I want more. I want to go deeper. I want to experience and encounter God like I have never experienced and encountered God before. Far too long we've settled for a TV tray dinner experience with God. I'm not interested in a TV tray dinner experience with God. I'm interested in a sit-down feast with my Lord and my Savior. Come and dine. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I want to drink from the well that will quench my thirst, yet leave me thirsty for more. I want to eat from the table that will fill my belly with the bread of life, yet I will be so much hungrier for more. I refuse to observe from a distance. I'm not going to lead this church to chasing after God from a distance. I'm going to lead this church to chase after God with all of your heart. As I've shared with you in a, in a couple of our 714 videos, we've got, to be re, we've got to be willing to pursue God regardless of the cost. 
We've got to be willing to go after God regardless of how bad the situation is. We've got to be willing to let a personal hunger for God tower over every other hunger and desire in our life. It's got to be number one. Psalm 73, 25 says, Whom and I have, whom, Who do I have in heaven but you? And there's none upon the earth that I desire besides you. That's got to be the place of our heart. No, no, just give me my church experience, man. Don't change things. I want to come back to church. Well, I do too, you all. But it's going to be different because we're ready for the move of God. We're going to embrace the move of God. <clears throat> we got to be willing to obey his words. We can't be a people that will chase after God and then say, well, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to be willing to do it. And we got to maintain, this, this may be one of the most critical ones at the place, the position, the pivot point that we're at right now. we got to be willing to maintain an open heart and an open mind and always be ready to embrace new things from the Lord. We have to be ready to embrace new things from the Lord. If the praise team will come on up, I believe that we've entered into a new age of the church. We have proclaimed for years that there's going to be an influx of people who have been left empty by the user-friendly, watered-down megachurch experience, and they're looking for something more than just a feel-good experience. They are looking and desiring an authentic, life-changing encounter with the God of gods, King of kings and Lord of lords. God's doing a new thing, and I'm lining up, and I'm signing up at his heavenly information table to be a part of his new thing. How about you? Yes, I'm challenging you, church. Will you join me in this new journey? Will you be a part of laying down many old things, many old ways of doing church in order to reach more people for Christ, whether they're sitting in the church or not? In fact, I believe with all my heart that we may end up with 150, 200 people here and we'll still be reaching twice as many, if not more, out there. Amen. Praise God. So let's embrace the new thing that God is doing with all of our might. Let's embrace the move of God with all of our strength. Let's be the church that God is calling us to be. If you can believe that and receive it, would you give the Lord a praise right where you're at right now? In a minute, we're going to sing a new song. Imagine that. A new thing, a new song. <laughs> praise team already went through their uncomfortable zone this morning when I walked in with four sheets of paper and said, and my guitar, and said, you're about to learn a new song this morning. And they did a great job. But before we sing that song, I never want to leave a service without giving people an opportunity to accept Christ into their heart, to put their trust in Him. If you're, you're watching today, I, I believe with all my heart there's somebody watching today and you have, you've been desiring a new experience with God. Maybe you're even intrigued because you've been waiting for a preacher to say some of the stuff that I said today. But it ain't about that. It's about what's pulling on your heart right now. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's that part of the conviction that is courting. He's wooing you. 
He's drawing you into his presence. I'm going to invite you to accept Jesus into your heart today. We're going to say a prayer together. So right where you're at, would you bow your heads and say this prayer with me. Dear God, I need you. I'm humbly calling out to you. I'm tired of doing it. I invite you to be my Lord. I invite you to be my Savior. Repeat this after me. Fill the emptiness in me with your Holy Spirit and make me whole. Lord, help me to trust you. Help me to love you. Help me to live for you. Help me to understand your grace. Help me to understand your mercy. Help me to understand your peace. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You know what? If you said that prayer with me this morning, believing in your heart and meaning the words that you said, you have just been saved. And let me be the first to welcome you to the family of God. Welcome. We love you. I'm going to ask you, if you said that prayer with me this morning and it was an experience for you to accept Christ into your heart, please call in, leave a text, leave an email letting us know that you accepted Christ today, that you made it today. We're going to do this song. When I wrote this message this week, this song came into my heart. It's an older song. A song by uh, Daryl Evans, in fact called We Will Embrace Your Move. I got my guitar out at home and I started playing around with it. And I, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that or not. And this morning I just felt like having me and the praise team ready. The song says, I believe says what it is that we're talking about this morning. Look at this first verse. Behold our God is gracious. He's moving among the nations preparing a bride for Jesus and proving he reigns. His spirit is tearing down walls built on the pride of men. To those who've rejected him, he's reaching his hand out again. We will embrace. We will embrace your move. Come on, give the Lord a praise. Amen. We will embrace the move of God. Whatever it costs, whatever it requires of us going to run after God with all of our hearts. I hope you've been blessed by this time together today. I pray that it has uh, touched your heart and that you are ready for a new thing. Amen. We want to thank you for checking in today. One brief announcement before I speak a dismissal blessing over, over you. I encourage you to go to our website or go uh, 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 to download the Res Life app that you can get at the App Store. And uh, Steve and his team has created a new bulletin format that's an HTML format. It's got links to everything that's going on here at the church. It is fabulous. So in, instead of in, in lieu of doing a paper bulletin, we're going online with our bulletin. I, I encourage you to go check it out. Everything you, everything you need to know is there, including links to be able to open up videos and other types of things that are available to you. I think you're going to be extremely blessed by Psalm 91 over you today. I pray that everywhere that you go, you run into God. 
that you feel his presence pursuing you, chasing after you. I speak peace upon you, peace in your life, health and healing in your home, restoration of the things that the enemy has stolen from you. We love you here at Resurrection Life Church, and we call you blessed in the name of Jesus. Have an awesome day.